Why I wanted to do it because I come from really conservative socially background. I was always told that there are certain things women should do. People used to think that me being ambitious is not being a good woman. Basically, I had to fight for my education. When even my dad put me for computer science, people, elderly people, often they're like, "Why you are teaching your girl? Because anyway, she's gonna get you know married, so she doesn't need to study." So I had to fight a lot. Mm-hmm. So I always wanted to do something for women, but I want to do something for women from where I come actually. Yeah, okay. because they don't have exposure. They don't know what life you can have. You need to change the thinking. It's not that people are bad, but it's just the awareness. I'm Renata Bernardi, a career coach and the host of the Job Hunting Podcast. The goal of this podcast is to support and educate you in the steps you need to take to find great jobs, change and advance your career with confidence and less stress. So make sure you subscribe and follow and welcome aboard. Hello everyone and welcome back to the Job Hunting Podcast. It is a very cold Sunday afternoon in Melbourne and this morning at 8.30am I interviewed my guest Sonali Shah. Now Sonali and I had booked uh, this interview months ago when COVID was starting and I cancelled at the last minute because back then I didn't know how to approach the interview. I told Sonali, I think a little I think we need time to understand what's going on in the world before we embark in this. And you know what's really hard? Yet again, I have found myself and Sonali in this situation where uh as content creator, I have to say it has to be just in time content creation these days you can't really batch content anymore every week the world seems to be taking a turn to something quite unexpected and i don't want to ever make you feel like i'm not paying attention to what's going on because of course i am And I think on the day-to-day basis, if you follow me on Instagram and if you follow me on Facebook, I am constantly posting and quite alert about what's going on in the world with Black Lives Matter, with COVID, with job losses, with redundancies, with um, anxiety and um, the sense of, you know, uncertainty and complexity and real chaos that we are feeling around the world my commitment is to support the job hunters out there the people that have lost their jobs during covid or beforehand the people that are on the brink of losing their jobs and in the midst of everything that's going on i want to be that sounding board that podcast that life coaching session every Thursday that is always there for you that you can rely upon and that's why we keep on going and I keep on posting um, this week many people have cancelled content I received two uh, cancellations so I do a lot of uh, personal development training all the time and two things that I had I was looking forward to doing have been cancelled quite rightly so quite frankly they are not essential in my view job hunting in my view is essential and 
it's people's livelihoods at stake and people need salaries to pay the mortgages and bills and I am going to continue producing content as long as people need jobs and um, and if you have any questions for me and if you want to address this with me you can always get in touch I'd love to hear your feedback your comments your opinions if there are better ways for me to be doing this I'd love to be in touch Now let's go back to the topic of today, which is this conversation with Sonali Shah, which is long overdue. (laughs) And bless her, you know, on a Sunday morning, a woman that has a full-time job, a small child, you won't believe, you know, her work ethic, her commitment, and the amount of volunteering that she does is unbelievable. And when I met Sonali, I was introduced by to Leaning Org and Sonali by Div Pillai. If you look at my LinkedIn, you will see that I wear many hats. One of them is that I work with diversity and inclusion as head of market strategy for an organization in Australia called Mind Tribes. And Div Pillai is the co-founder. It's an amazing organization. And Div uh, recommended me as a speaker for a final uh, end-of-year event that Lean In Melbourne was organizing. Now, Lean In is a non-profit organization that was founded by the Facebook Chief Operating Officer, Cheryl Sandberg. And let me get up because I put the book away. So this is the leaning book that came out seven years ago, eight years ago. I read this book. It was a tipping point book for many women back then. It was read right across the board. Um, a lot of women related to it a lot. Uh, and it was very inspirational. Cheryl then founded Linen chapters all over the world. I'll put the link in the show notes so that you can find the Linen chapter close to you. Linen Melbourne is a great chapter led by Sonali and a team of 17 volunteers. It's growing and growing now that many of, I mean, all of their events are online. She was telling uh, me and you will hear this on the podcast that they have people participating from all over the world, really. So You know, it's based here, but you can participate if you want to. And I would recommend. It's really quite an impressive group. Sonali was um, an impressive host um, and and her team is very professional. It's run by up-and-coming rising stars, females that are young and really ambitious for their careers, that they um, have felt a strong connection with the the book and and Cheryl's um, and learnings, but also one thing that Sonali explained to me when I first engaged with her is that the lean-in concept has evolved because the ideas have aged, you know, and the book is now seven years old, as I said before. And things have kind of progressed a lot since then. But also, and as you will see, um, and one of the reasons why I wanted to bring Sonali as a, a guest was that we are both called women, Sonali and I. So called uh, is culturally and linguistically diverse women. That's the acronym 
and we're so different. <laughs> you know, we come from very different cultures. We have different upbringing and different expectations that were put upon us. And we reacted differently uh, to Australia. We're both migrant women. We probably arrived in Australia right about the same age. I'm assuming I didn't ask, but I'm assuming. So there you go. Like women are not all the same. Uh, but her insight into and her intelligence because of the volunteering work that she does above and beyond her corporate career is what is I find really interesting for me professionally. I'm always interested to hear what she has to say and I wanted to ask her, but instead of asking, calling her and asking her for me, you know, I'm sharing it on this podcast, you know, how are women feeling? How are they dealing with lockdown? How are they, how are you coping? You know, because she is the the best person to ask. She has a young child who is, you know, not going to childcare at the moment. They're both, her husband and, and Sonali are working from home. And not only she has her personal lived experience, but she's constantly hosting all of these, you know, catch-ups and webinars and and she has you know a very big social media following with Lenin uh, chapter in Melbourne and I wanted to ask her um, about how women are coping uh, from her membership and it was really also very interesting and wonderful to hear about her personal story her personal career story and her ambitions and, and ideas and inspirations for a better f- structured future for women in the workforce. Um, so I'd love for you to listen to what Sonali has to say. She's a real feminist with very interesting ideas, like myself, on, you know, constantly learning as we go. And I'd love for you to... Um, learn and educate yourself but also hopefully see some commonalities there about what she has experienced in her career and what you are going through as well as always when i do a podcast that's all about women i ask the men to keep on listening because if you are a father of girls if you are a husband if you are a manager or a colleague of women I think it's really important for men to educate themselves and understand how we see the world and how we see our careers and the experiences that we have in the workforce and you know how kind of they translate to us and leaning uh, Melbourne really encourages men to attend their events and I saw that firsthand when I was a speaker end of last year some wonderful guys came along um, so that's you know one more reason for you to listen to um, and one more thing I um, last time I said I was going to be doing all these sort of solo episodes but because Sonali was king to be interviewed on a Sunday and like I said I don't I didn't want the interview to age um, and I think that as a content creator I have to be careful with that these days I decided to post it straight away so next week I will be posting the solo episode that I promise, which is another episode that has a companion life coaching session and a companion workbook. And it will be all about LinkedIn. So 
keep an eye open for that one. Have a look at the episode show notes to find links to my website, links to sign up to my newsletter and my community to get access to my bonus documents and guidelines and tools that I offer job hunters. And without further ado, here is my chat with Sonali Chan. Bye. So let's start by talking about your career. Now, how did you end up being where you are in Australia, having your corporate job in Melbourne and working, uh, volunteering with Lean In at the same time. It sounds like a, such a great combination. I've always wanted to ask you that. Yes. So career, uh, so I was actually, I come from the technology background. So I was a developer mm -hmm. and that was like an accident. Yeah. So I didn't have good marks in HSE. <laughs> so we were looking for, okay, what field I can get into, which will be still useful. Uh -huh. um, and at that time, so this will tell you my age in India, mm -hmm. uh, computer science was basically booming. So it had a lot of demand mm -hmm. and I come from a small town um, and we had only one college where they were giving this course and I had never seen computer before that. Uh, but then my brother's professor, we went to him to ask for the advice, what I should be doing. Then he said, I should enroll for computer science. Uh, and then I enrolled for computer science. So that's how I got into technology. Right. But then when I was studying at that time, um, we had like some courses. So in India, IT was really in demand. And for that, they required some courses to do. And what I did is while doing computer science on site, I did those courses. And then I fell in love with programming and technology. And when I came here, I was still software engineer. And then I moved to technical lead role at that time. And I worked with business a lot. Mm -hmm. And that basically gave me uh, interest into, because technology is kind of application of everyday life, right? Uh, otherwise, technology is not use, uh, useful. Yeah. So I really loved about, because I worked in the pricing uh, area. So a lot of data thinking about, you know, customer demographic um, and also little bit with the contact center. So how, you know, when people call you, what are their problems? And I was really interested into it. So then I moved from technology to business side as a project manager, mm -hmm. project lead. Like it was really junior role at that time. And I was really interested in that business side and the customer side. But because I come from technology background, I could always apply my technology knowledge. So Although I'm a project manager, I give solutions. It's not like I just sit there managing schedules and the Gantt charts. I love to get involved into details, understand customer, and also bring the technology aspect. Mm -hmm. So now what I do is, so I did when my previous role was customer experience delivery manager. It's looking at, you know, end-to-end -end customer experience um, and providing uh, inputs to how we can uh, streamline all that experience. Yes. So I now practice human-centered uh, design, design thinking, um, and that's really interesting. And having that technology background is my leverage. Um, so yeah, that's how and uh, I am kind of like uh, pr good for project manager fit because I'm like always on schedule or I need to have a plan. Um, so I think that project management field really suits me. I really like that. But also understanding that business, it gives me 
whole view. I'm not stating to, you know, oh, I'm just a product person mm-hmm. or I'm just a technology person. So I get that overall view, which I really love. Yeah. yeah. And it seems like uh, with the human-centered design thinking and the customer uh, experience thinking, in addition to your background in computer science and development and technology, you have an, an interest and an appetite for, um, I would say, um, the human side of business, you know, because yeah. your involvement with Lean In, I can see that, but, you know, there's a, from the uh, speakers that you invite, there's a lot of, you know, positive psychology and a lot of Brene Brown and, and thrive and all of that, um, that I see, um, in the speakers and the uh, resilience building and confidence building that I see in the development that you do with the women here in Melbourne. How, how did you get involved with Linian? When did that happen? So I read book long time ago, uh, Mm -hmm. because, you know, it was there and, uh, Actually, my brothers asked me to read it. So I knew a book is there. Yes, thank you. (laughs) And I hadn't read it. And I was in the US for my brother's graduation ceremony. Uh Um, And they're like, have you read it? And I'm like, nah, it might be just regular, you know, feminism thing. I was a late reader. I was a late reader as well, I think. And yeah, I read the book and immediately I started online group, but I didn't do anything with it Mm -hmm. because I wanted to do it in a certain way uh, and I didn't know how to go about it. Mm -hmm. And then I think it took me one or two years. So I created this group, didn't do anything. And in one, one and a half year, I went back and there were already 300 members joined. Uh, And then we started discussion, how we can start it. Um, And why I wanted to do it, because I come from really um, conservative, socially background, Mm -hmm. uh, because I come from a small town in India. And I wasn't allowed to talk to men. Like, Mm. you know, so I was in like uh, only women's uh, college, women's school, girls' school. Um, So I I was always told that there are certain things women should do. Mm. So if we are at the dinner table, I was told that I have to serve my brother. So I have two brothers. And if I'm telling, because, you know, when you're young, you're like, why you can't take it by yourself? Yeah, you will ask that to your brother. But I was told, now you need to do that. I have to make bed for everybody. Um, I was basically forced into, so arrange, you know, in arranged marriage, people come and see you. And I remember in last year of my graduation, uh, I came back from my college and I see like all houses tidy and all that. My mom is ready. And I'm like, what's happening? And she's like, oh, people are coming to see you. And I'm like, no way, because it was like my literally preliminary exam uh, for my last year. And I took a key of my motorbike and I just left. And I went to my friend. (laughs) So these people came and I think they left. So I like people used to think that me being ambitious is not being a good woman. Right. Um, And it basically I had to fight for my uh, education. When even my dad put me for computer science, uh, fees were uh, more than your bachelor of commerce or, you know, or other uh, courses. Right. So, People, elderly people of my family, they got together with my dad and they're like, why you are teaching your girl? Because anyway, she's going to get, you know, uh, married. So she doesn't need to study. So I had to fight a lot. And when I came here, uh, yeah, here there is a gender gap, uh, like gender pay gap or, you know, inequality, but not as much as what I have seen. Mm -hmm. So I always wanted to do something for women. 
Mm. And uh, I, uh, I have been, I want to talk it aloud. So I do it that in fifties or when I'm 50, I want to stop my corporate job and, you know, uh, do something for women. So it might be charity or it might be not for profit, but I want to do something for women uh, back in uh, India from where I come actually. Yeah. Because they don't have exposure. They don't know what, you know, life you can have. Uh, when I came here, I realized like what life I can have. Um, so I, I actually, although I was feminist, I was scared to use that word feminist, you know, feminism. Um, and now when I look back, my values were conservative as well, because from where I came. Yes. So although I wanted ambitious, I had this thing, oh, women has to do these things because that's how I was raised. Um, and then I realized like, uh, you need to change, you know, the thinking. It's not that people are bad because it's not that I was bad or my parents were bad that, you know, they were imposing those values on me, but it's just the awareness. Uh, And I used to ask question and you won't believe when I was uh, a technical lead or, uh, you know, in Sankov, I was working with one Asian girl. So she was born and raised here, but still her family was very conservative. Mm -hmm. And we always used to talk about, you know, Indian Asian families and feminism and at that time, I asked her, I said that, you know, I see women in our office, they work from home so much, you know, uh, they take leaves for, because of kids, you know, kids are sick. Yeah. And still we say that we want same payment, uh, you know, as men, how companies can afford that, I said. Mm. Uh, so look at this view, right? I, I call myself feminism. I called at that time, but I asked this question. And she said to me that because she had learned social science, she said that first question we need to ask is why women are working from home more? Why women are taking more leave? Because men are not pitching in. Yeah. If men are pitching in, women don't need to do that. So yeah. there goes your inequality. Yeah. And then because women work from home more and they don't want to go for leadership rules because of that, uh, they don't get paid as much as men. So anytime you have basically this imbalance and one part of the society has more money, power goes into their hand. So that's why then women are basically a little bit, you know, uh, suppressed um, or they don't have voice in the society to build something. And that changed my thinking. Mm. Um, So when I started leaning, because, uh, you know, I'm like, oh, women need to get into work more. Uh, That's women's responsibility. Yes, it is women's responsibility. But if you look at um, the problem is society needs to support them. Yeah. So it's not women's issue. It's a societal issue. And my thinking changed a lot when I started leaning as well. But that was the thing why I started leaning because I'm like, uh, I have faced, you know, uh, this issue um, back home. But here as well, women in tech, so I was in technology. So when you talk to some technology people in infrastructure and all, they assume that you don't know what you're talking about in technology. Uh, And I'm sure like we have like, you know, a lot of data about surgeons and, you know, in medical science, it's a similar situation. So that's why I started it. So that's why my group is not about women in tech or women in finance or women in construction. What we do is we talk about issues related to women or gender equality. And we do invite men as well to participate in it because otherwise you can't complete the you know uh, cycle. You need to have their view as well. Yeah. So yeah, that's why I started leaning. That's great. I like what you said about um, the 
issues in society. It's one of the things that I read about the most. Personally, I'm really um, fascinated by how, how we live in a society that's structured for men at work, not men and women at work. Yeah. Um, and Lean In is one of the books I read as part of this you know, interest of mine. But one that I really like as well is um, from a UK um, consultant called Christine Armstrong. I don't know if you're familiar with this book. It's called The Mother of All Jobs. She has a wonderful book about the, how we've structured society for men to work, but not for women to work and how this misalignment of, you know, the times we need to take kids to school against the times we need to be at work just never align never support yeah. women and uh, summer holidays or school holidays and annual leave and all of that is never really aligned it, it makes our life a living hell maternity leave instead of parental leave and all of that um, is really interesting but what has happened to covid is that it has allowed everyone to work from home um, but I, um, in my newsletter a couple of weeks ago, or maybe it was last week, I can't remember. I've been sending, so I've, I send a newsletter every week to people that are interested in career and job hunting. And um, a very um, recent study done in the US and the UK has showed that women have um, published less papers than men over this past few months whilst at home with their husbands. So these are academic women, right? So we are all at home, but women are still having the wrong end of the stick because men continue to publish their academic papers, but women have held back because the kids are at home. There's, you know, homeschooling kids, taking care of the house, and they have been unable to keep up with the academic work that they would often do. So they have these um, graphs and charts showing women's academic publications going like steep down during um, the lockdown and the pandemic. Uh, and I wonder if you, you know, because you're in touch with so many women here in Melbourne with Lean In, what have you noticed? How are they coping um, with the lockdown, staying at home, working from home with little kids? How is it going? Even for you personally, <laughs> be interested to know. Yeah, see, the thing is, I mean, everybody knows the statistics, right? That women contribute to 76.2% of unpaid work. And that was pre-COVID. Without homeschooling, without, you know, uh, childcare closing. So that tells that how this caregiving work has increased right now on women. So if you start with 76.2%, which is literally three hours out of four hours, you know, uh, unpaid work. Uh, and now it must be more than four hours now. So you are basically doing 200%, uh, you know, uh, of work. Mm -hmm. So uh, I think uh, luckily with the group I'm involved in, we do virtual happy hour. We had a couple of workshops and I haven't heard about women saying it has been like uh, as for their detriment, you know, uh, they say that they're balancing it well. They're enjoying this flexibility and more than enjoying because it's a flexibility they can, if your work allows uh, you to work flexibly, you can get up early in the morning and work even after, you know, uh, 5, uh, 5 p.m. Uh, and I'm doing the same thing. I literally get up, like me and my husband, we get up at 4 o'clock. 
um, and then uh, uh, you, you have to write because I have 20 um, months old and I stopped her child care when she was uh, like in March, first week of March, we literally stopped her mm-hmm. uh, from child care. So we get up at four o'clock, I cook uh, and then I start my work at that time. Uh, and everybody in the in my now team is saying that we clean our inbox in the night, but when we come back in the morning, we have emails from Sonali. <laughs> so I used to feel initially like, man, I don't want people to think I'm crazy. So I used to, in Outlook, it lets you, you know, schedule the emails. So I used to say, okay, this email will go out at eight o'clock. Then I just gave up. I'm like, whatever, I don't care. So I do uh, some work in the morning. And it's good because nobody interrupts me at that time. During work hours, people message you, call you. Um, So now I have like at least two hours in the morning uninterrupted. I cook at that time. So basically my, uh, you know, morning routine is clear. Then my daughter gets up at 7, 7.30. So depending on our workload, either my husband will take care of her before 9 o'clock or I'll take care of her before 9 o'clock. And then uh, we just schedule our work. Like we have now our calendar set with each other. And if meeting is really important, mm-hmm. we send invites like that, like, you know, important meeting. So basically you have to take care of her. Otherwise I keep her next to me. Um, and, you know, uh, she either watches or I just bring her in my lap and, you know, she's in front of video looking at everybody. Uh-huh. Uh, that's how we are managing. And then in the night, it's the same thing. I put her to sleep and then I go back to work again. Uh, but then what happens is that's what women are saying that we don't switch off from work. Yes. Uh, because during that first seven to eight hours, nine to five, you might not be able to work full time. And you do feel obliged then, although you're working in the morning and night, like, oh my God, I should maybe do a little bit more. Um, and maybe that's the expectation. I'm not sure. Uh, so I have been lucky that my workplace is really good. They support very well. Uh, because I remember a couple of times my CIO called me and my daughter was like crying in the background. <laughs> And I was feeling like initially, you know, when all these things started, you feel like, and I was new at this job place. So I'm like, oh, I'm so sorry. And he's like, no, we all have kids. Don't worry about it. Uh, And now as well in the meetings, sometimes if she's sleeping, it's like just behind me, uh, her room. Uh, So you can hear when she wakes up. And then people are like, oh, whose kid is that? And not in a bad way, but they just ask you, right? Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, it's my daughter. And then they're like, yeah, that's fine. And they find it cute. So I think this is a new norm, right? Only thing is, I think uh, if you're more pressured, if your husband is not supporting you, that's a problem. So yeah. my husband supports me. Yeah. Um, although we were not meeting my uh, parents-in-laws, like, you know, because of social distancing, mm-hmm. they used to come and drop off the food. So once a week, they will give me food for two days. Oh. Uh, that helped me. And now last week, um, they, they came uh, two days and they took care of her for three hours. Uh, so that was really good. So I didn't need to work in the night then, you know, yeah. after work, because I could just finish it before five o'clock. Do you but think that's that, what I'm hearing? Yeah. Do you think that that's sustainable though? Is it because it sounds exhausting to me? It sounds yeah. like you're not sleeping much. And how long can you do this for? Or are you doing this now because you know it's short term? Yes. That's a really good question, right? Uh, so I am really bad in managing my time. So I always do overtime. Um, and when I went back from my maternity leave, that's what I did. I didn't have the line. Um, I felt that I need to prove myself because I have come back from maternity leave. I didn't want people to say, oh, because she has care, you know, she's doing that. So I was literally working 11 to 12 hours and I was burnt out. So I had to quit my job, like mm-hmm. emotionally as well. Uh, but also I, could, I just couldn't take it, you know, I work longer. So that's my problem. I shouldn't be doing that. 
but I think what I did is, meanwhile, I this social distancing, not meeting people, was getting to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what I did is, I organized literally Zoom calls uh, with my uh, friends during work hours because I'm like, I need to talk to somebody because they have kids as well. I started going for a walk. Um, so I used to block my calendar and I told my manager a couple of times as well, I need to go out because, you know, it's a good, uh, good weather and we don't get in Melbourne good weather all the time. Yeah. So when it's good weather, I take her to the ground and she keeps running. And for me as well, it's good to just go out. So I think as long as you manage that balance, uh, it's always good, right? So I know now when I'm going to get burnout, when I feel down, I tell my husband and I take break. Uh, I make sure that on Saturday, most of the time, I uh, get takeaways. I don't cook. Uh, my husband takes care of for a couple of us and I just do whatever I want to do. You know, It can be just watching a TV or Netflix or uh, reading yeah. uh, or going for a walk or just zooming, zooming in with my friends. So because- I think that's why it's okay as long as you know how to manage it. Yeah. Um, Otherwise, it is difficult. Yeah, if you don't have support and you continuously keep doing it, it is difficult. Because in addition to work and family life, you still have the Lean In group to yeah. manage as well. And tell me a little bit about how they are coping. Are you getting feedback? Because I I've noticed you do um, drinks hour on a Friday. Do yeah. you do that? Yeah. Yeah. So what's the feedback that you're getting for the women here in Melbourne about COVID and have they lost their jobs? Are they still at work? What's going on? Yeah. So when we did happy hours and we started chatting, yeah, people have lost their jobs. Um, and, but they found like a silver lining. So it was really interesting to see because when I did happy hours, I'm like, oh my God, people will be anxious and, you know, we need to have light topics to talk about. Uh, and we started like that, but people actually wanted to talk about real problems. Mm-hmm. Um, and then women on the call said that two women actually said that, um, they had lost jobs, uh, but they started practicing literally, you know, textbook method kind of where, if you don't have social distancing, what you would do is meet people for coffee. And, you know, they say that just have a basically routine that every week you are meeting one new person. They said that because they lost job, they started doing that, like reaching out to at least five people in a week and having virtual coffee with them. Um, and uh, one actually girl started her leaning circle in her office. And she said that when they did it, they said that we should have it more often because I think she was planning to do it every month. Uh, And they said we should have fortnightly. So I think uh, people have lost job. It has put more pressure. As long as your work supports you, I think you're okay. And if you have lost job and you have this support circle, which Lean In is, uh, people come on there and they just chat about their problems. We did one workshop, which is called I Am Remarkable. And everybody was so open about uh, how, you know, they sometimes get treated differently. Their problems, not as a woman, but at, you know, regular corporate um, life issues politics and uh, you know if you want to be leadership what problems you uh, face Mm -hmm. so I think we are talking more of these problems openly now that's what I have noticed before this because we were meeting in person I think it's a little bit intimidating when you have you know group of 90 people you go and meet everybody individually and you're not going to meet 90 people but because it's online what I'm seeing is more people are joining 
Uh, it's easy for them, although they live far away. If they work far away now, they're at home. Um, and interestingly, last workshop we did, Resilience, we had women from all over the world. So we had like from Spain, South Africa, UK, Canada, India. Uh, and that was wonderful. So this is kind of silver lining, right? Yes, there are issues. But if you have this support circle, um, you can get through it. Yes. Uh, because nobody can help you financially, but they can tell you how you can get help mm. or how you can be optimistic. And at least is, you know, somebody else like you and you don't feel like you're the only one, which usually you feel right. Looking at like, if you can't meet people, you're sitting at home, you're like, I'm the only one like this. No, you're not. There are so many people and it's not your fault, right? Yeah. You losing job is not your fault. And surprisingly, I know three to four people who lost their job because of COVID. They have already got their job back. Jobs really? back. Wow. Yeah. So they applied for jobs and they already starting, you know, already started or they're starting next week. That's wonderful. Yeah. What do you think um, would be with the group of women that you're involved with, you know, your friends and the lean in, what would be their biggest aspiration, you know, looking into the future you know there's so much uncertainty now you know from what you can sense from these talks and these chats what is it that they want out of this new normal that we're living what is their biggest ambition i think they so looking at demographics it's like two parts to it one is women without kids and then women with kids right yeah. um, so if i talk the most you know common topic uh, talk about most common topic which is women with kids or parents not just women um i think uh they think that this new norm will accept children as part of their work in a way that you know how uh, breastfeeding at work was a big thing yeah. uh, getting kids at the parliament was the big thing yeah. i don't think that will be the case anymore right so that's what they expect that this shouldn't uh, like this lockdown has enabled us to understand these problems, mm. empathize with the people who are parents or single parents and leadership, I think has changed as well. Uh, so if that continues, I think that's the great win-win situation for everybody. Right. Uh, so women who want to work from home, but also have aspirations of leadership role or managerial roles. And also men pitching in more. So because I was on maternity leave, my daughter was, of course, bonded to me more. But during this lockdown, she's bonded with my husband so well, I don't need to worry about her now. Yeah. Uh, and it's not like she will always come after me because first one month was difficult. So I think that, uh, you know, uh, dynamics have changed. And if that continues, uh, I think that will be a really good outcome for women. Yeah. Uh, but then women who are... Uh, like either single or don't have kids yet for them it's a good uh, you know uh, setting stone right because we are basically clearing their path and they don't need to fight about all this working from home and you know uh, equality at home as well mm -hmm. because it will be a norm so when they get married or when they have kids it's nothing new for them they don't need to fight so one less thing to fight or battle for us yeah. so I think that's a good thing uh, because you asked about the experiences from, you know, uh, this group, I was really, so my workplace really supported us very well. So they literally uh, sent, if we wanted, uh, desks 
chairs, screens, they sent it home. So I got mine two weeks ago. I didn't know they were doing it. Um, And some people went and they picked it up. Uh, My manager asked me one-on-one, how are you handling it, Sonali? I hope you went out and, you know, enjoyed the sunshine. So during work hours, that's that's the talk. Mm -hmm. Uh, But one um, one of my uh, team members said that at her workplace, manager was organizing meeting literally at five o'clock just to see people are working. Yeah. Lunch times. Uh, but then over the period, I think uh, that style has changed because from the top down, yeah. uh, they have uh, got instructions that you can't do that. You need to trust people, right? Yes. yes. Uh, so I think and she's not even, she doesn't even have kids, but if she's single, doesn't mean she doesn't have her own issues, right? Sitting at home alone Especially just think if you're a migrant, you don't have really big social life. It's very difficult. Um, So I think people will show this empathy uh, because it's going to be completely, you know, switch in everybody's mentality and thinking. Mm. Um, So I think if we live with this learning and don't change it immediately, like now now everything back to normal, I think uh, it's a good outcome for everybody. Yes. Oh, yeah. And the other thing, actually, somebody said that because it's now social distancing and anyway, companies are closed, you are more open for global opportunities because a lot of companies will be like, you know what, I can now hire, you know, uh, talent from uh, international uh, market. Yes. So that's the one thing they're looking at because now you can sit in Australia and get the international experience there, right? Yes, I, I really, I'm looking for an example of that. So if you know someone that I can interview and talk to, <laughs> let me know. Can't wait to see that happening. That's a, yeah. that would be a but fantastic outcome. You see, the one really good example is, uh, so my mother-in-law is in her 70s. Mm-hmm. And of course, my father-in-law as well. Um, and they both had really good career. And I was surprised. My father-in-law told me that he had like a brunch happy hour, brunch happy hour (laughs) with his previous colleagues. Uh, So they are enjoying this. Uh, And my mother-in-law, so they were in UK before. Yeah. And she had, she's like an uh, artist and dancer and choreographer. Mm -hmm. So she had a great career there. She had, she built one academy there. Um, And she said that as part of that academy, now they're hosting interviews with artists in UK, but she's able to be part of it now because she can just, you know, join online. So art sector will change like this. We could, they were not online that much, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I do think that it will change economy and industries and it will bring the world closer, actually. I'd like to say something about that because I was thinking about this yesterday, Sonali. It's so interesting that you mentioned this. I was t- walking with a friend and she said, we've, been, we've both been in Australia for over 20, well, close to 20 years now, both of us. And she said, oh, I still don't understand Australians. <laughs> and, and I do, you know, and I think what and I, I came home and I was thinking about this. I am a third generation expat. I'll get to the point where I want to talk about your in-laws. My grandparents lived overseas for 13 years in Washington, D.C. Then mom and dad and my sister and I lived in the Silicon Valley uh, when we were little. And then when I decided to move away from my home country in Brazil and move to Australia, I had all that baggage and I knew what to expect. And even though my husband didn't, 
I could educate him (laughs) and I I had very clear rules about, you know, what we could and couldn't do because I knew what would accelerate and what would allow us to quickly get used to this, to being in a new country and what would really uh, not help us at all. Um, And he was all, you know, he was a great sort of follower and he was just like okay whatever you say so he really was um he knew i knew what i was talking about uh plus i was a educational agent and a migration agent in brazil anyway so i kind of knew what i was talking about and he knew that um what i also when i read lean in it didn't touch me as much as i think it touched you because my mother worked and my even though my grandmothers didn't work they were very strong feminists and i also come from a country where women can speak up and women work in in brazil i don't know how it is now because i've been away for so long but at the time that i left like 60% of the households were kept by women because women in Brazil, even because it's such a, you know, it still is a relatively poor country, it's easier for women to keep work than men. Men have odd jobs, you know, like in construction, and women have more steady jobs. So when I came here, I actually had a, a different experience than you. You know, I felt like, where are all the women working? You know, I felt really alone in the workforce. <laughs> I was like, where, where's everyone? Um, so... What I, what I liked about Lean In, of course, is the fact that because we're women, we're not all the same. Exactly, yeah. Right? What people, some women decide to have kids, others don't. Some women, you know, decide to marry men, others decide to marry women. We're all so different. And, yes. But for me, it was like a case, case study. And I, I also speak a lot. I'm super confident. So some of the examples that she showed about women sitting in the back uh, and not sitting on the table, for me, it was actually the opposite. I am a tall poppy. People had to kind of cut my wings a little bit to fit into Australia because here we have the tall poppy syndrome and I'm a Latina. So, you know, my culture is all about, you know, being flamboyant and standing up and all of that. So um, for me, the book... Some of the examples, I I remember some of her uh, examples in interviews I thought were like so powerful when you couldn't ask a woman if she wanted to have kids in an interview. Remember those examples in the book? I thought those were great. And um, having those experiences of having moms and grandmothers that have worked, that have, you know, that are pushing you forward that want you to be ambitious for your career you know Mm -hmm. probably I keep thinking that if my grandmother was alive she would be flabbergasted by what I achieved I think her ambition for me was for me to be a secretary (laughs) like I really you know because there was this lady called Renata and she was the secretary of the CEO of the aircraft factory and she thought I could because my name is Renata she thought you could be just like her you know (laughs) but that's the thing right it's not about yeah um, being in the workforce right because women have been now in workforce for a long time and they had to fight for that right um as well yeah 
but things have changed so we don't just want to be in workplace we want equal workplace we want to be yes. you know, uh, equal number in being in ceos or in uh, all the board of directors yeah. i think that expectation has changed but the awareness about it hasn't changed mm-hmm. uh, because it's kind of you can do job but if you can manage your household mm-hmm. that's a problem that expectation itself is a problem right and i know we always talk about you know can women have it all it's not about can women have it all it's basically can working parents have it all yeah uh, because it impacts men as well as women if you create equal society yeah you're um, right but i'm very i'm very um interested in the learnings that you get as you grow up by watching family by watching you know if you come from a blue collar background you're already disadvantaged because you've never seen your parents put on a suit so if you want a corporate job it's yeah. harder for you to fit in to interview well to know what to do and when i was working at the institute of chartered accountants my job was career marketing i was a career marketing um relationship manager for victoria and tasmania and I was so passionate about helping those kids that come from regional areas, you know, the sons and daughters of farmers and they 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 really struggled, you know, to even decide what suit to wear. This was 10 years ago. We don't have that problem anymore. We understand diversity, but it still affects you because it's the bias that we don't you know that we don't talk about as much and we don't understand in ourselves when we're choosing who we want to work with and i think that it also affects our confidence in moving forward in being ambitious in promoting ourselves you know if you have you know my my childhood was all about my mother and my grandmothers telling me to be ambitious to yeah. to go for it to study and to you know so i never doubted it you know it's so it's very powerful and women have only seen that maybe for one generation yes and they have seen that generation struggling and stressed out right which is not good example yeah, yeah. men have been having this for many many they've been told that they need to work they they need yeah. to supply for their families and that they need to be ambitious and they need to be uh powerful for centuries yeah so it is a very big difference it it probably even affects your dna Isn't i don't know very, just guessing uh, yeah. <laughs> it's very interesting you say that like how you have seen like for you it's not new thing to be ambitious mm-hmm. from where i come it's so difficult right and not a whole of india is there because like that because my mother in law like older than me but she had good career her husband supported but she comes from patriarch uh, matriarchal system uh, so in her state it's matriarchal system um, and what you talked about you know what to wear for work so when i came here i remember a um, recruiter told me she's like oh you should wear like this you, you know you should wear this dress and suit it was really great help but the good thing is at my workplace because i was in technology it's diverse yeah mm-hmm. uh, it's not just australians i had like group of like bosnian friends and asian fiji fijian and indian mm-hmm. so they helped me a lot so i remember uh, there is there was one fijian uh, indian lady and she was older than me she used to tell me like you know mannerisms how we talk 
uh, here in Australia. And simple things like I was vegetarian. I didn't. I don't even eat egg. So if we are going out for team lunches, they used to make sure that they will tell the waiter all my dietary things, uh-huh. and I get almost same food as them, just without you know meat or uh, you know egg. And this is so important to understand these issues. But I have worked at places. where they didn't understand it so if i'm asking somebody oh does this have egg in it people will just look at me like what the hell yeah so then you do feel like out of place right yes yes yeah uh, so it's very important to understand that uh, diversity and simple things which you said uh, so really good example is so i come from a background so my mom didn't work um, and my dad was in a construction business and in in india construction business is very hard Mm. so i was never taught to be diplomatic um and no basically uh, nobody around me was in corporate life they had all small businesses uh it's very common in india but my husband so my mother in law because she was in art she had to work with the uh, academia but also with government to get the grants yeah uh so she is very diplomatic she knows how to navigate system she knows how to talk Mm-hmm. uh and then my father in law he was also with csiro and he was the first i think non white president of you know the department wow um so they both were really successful so my husband and his brother when i see them talking for them it's so easy mm-hmm. uh like you know navigating and saying the same thing which i want to say but in a more diplomatic way mm-hmm. using the correct words so i come from non english background yeah so for me to think like them is very difficult and especially the choice of words uh, so at work sometimes i do get into trouble because i'll say something and people are like maybe i should have chosen different word i know uh, yeah but <laughs> even the way i talk right yeah um, so it does matter a lot and that's why with linin my main thing was so when i started i'm like oh women need to build soft skills and then i realized no women don't need to build soft skills they need to just know that it's not just working hard and knowing techno- technical part of your work is important mm-hmm. but all the other things you know negotiation um and diplomatic uh, uh how do you basically be diplomatic to get what you want all those things matter in your career it's not how smart you are and how hard you work that's like only one part of you know success yeah. and that's why all our events are around that it's not about just giving technical knowledge to women mm. uh and understanding diversity that's the you know uh, main part because if we create awareness as women um uh, i think we will help each other so linin promotes that a lot so they have like uh women with color uh, and especially with latina women and black women because in the us it's a big yes. problem yes. uh so they promote that a lot they have also started um campaign for men so leaning men actually uh so you know how you can get mentorship from men because after me too uh men were a bit hesitant to give mentorship to women or meet the meet with them um. in the cafe restaurants like that mm-hmm. uh so they have that campaign as well so it gives like you tool to address all the issues and at every level because you can't have one solution to fix the problem you need to look at you know Yeah. Uh, everybody's problems are different. Yes. Now that we could go on and on couldn't we? <laughs> <laughs> uh look I'm I really want to end by saying I 
I'm so glad we met. I'm so glad that you invited me to speak end of last year. I've done so many events in my life. That one was so well done. And when I think it was a bunch of volunteers and of course, you know, the corporate partner, but it was like really lovely. And the women in attendance were all so, people just want, wanted to be there, right? And they were not told to be there. They didn't have to come. It was, you know, evening. They could be home with their families and it just shows that you're doing you and your team because I know you have a great team as well you're doing such a great job so I'm so glad that we finally caught up for this thank you so much for being such a great guest and I hope that we can catch up again soon and have a proper coffee and a walk yes thanks Renata and thanks for having me you know as part of your podcast my pleasure catch up with you soon yeah bye-bye